Well, thank you very much for uh, inviting me to talk to you today. Um, as you heard, um, I'm, a, I'm a dentist. Um, I'm not a preacher. <laughs> uh, this isn't where I would usually stand on a Sunday. Um, but I am on the speakers network for, uh, for Mercy Ships and I will go around and talk to, um, uh, to various groups of people um, of whom you kindly are one. So thank you very much for that. Uh, I was, I've, as you've heard, I, I live in Bexhill. I've worked in Bexhill for 30 years. <coughs> uh, for the past six years, though, uh, I've been teaching dentistry uh, for King's College London. So I've been teaching some final year students, trying to pass on those words of wisdom that I might vaguely have learned over 30 years. Um, so that's me. Um, and this is Mercy Ships. Um, I was uh, introduced to Mercy Ships in a, a, when the ship, went, not this ship, a different ship, was docked in Docklands in London. And they had a, a, an open day and you could walk around the ship and, uh, and, and see what they did. And one day, and I thought one day I will go back and help with them, help them. Uh, and I did. I've had a couple of experiences with them. I've been to Liberia and Sierra Leone. And uh, I will tell you a little bit more about the dental part uh, after, um, after the service. But today, I just want to introduce uh, Mercy Ships to you. If I can make the slides move. What am I pointing this at? Oh, I have to switch it on. Good move. Thank you. <laughs> Okay, so Africa Mercy, you've just that, the, the, although we're called Mercy Ships, we have one ship at the moment, uh, which was the picture that you saw up there. Uh, it's a converted rail ferry. Um, all, the, all the sort of st stats are up there, but it has its own water supply, everything. It, it, be it becomes an independent hospital unit, which will go into a country, stay for about 10 months, moored up in the, in the docks, uh, and people will come. Uh, and receive treatment on that ship, usually surgical treatment, but other, uh, other things are done. Uh, and in effect, in effectively, it's operated independently of the country that's there, although there is an intergovernment agreement which, um, which allows it to, uh, to, to operate, obviously. And that ship is uh, manned by volunteers. Every single person on that ship is a volunteer, from the captain to the deckhands, from the chief surgeon to the, the, the person who cleans the tables in the dining room. Everybody is a volunteer. So five operating theatres, x-ray facilities, CT scanner, 70-bed ward. Uh, and because people spend a lot of time on that ship, then some people will spend their careers on that ship. There is a school and a library and a bank and a general store. It's in effect, is a little floating village which arrives with, uh, uh, with all these people on board. 450 people at any one time. About 1,200 will pass through through a year. Uh, they, we fly in, fly out again when we finished our stint. And as I say, everybody volunteers. It's a... Um, international charity, so 30 different nationalities. When I was there last, that, they had a, a number board up on the, uh, on, on, in, one of the, in the reception area, uh, which showed the number of different nationalities that were on the ship at that time. And there was uh, never more than 30, uh, never less than 30, I beg your pardon. It was usually 34, 35, so huge numbers of different nationalities. The ship is currently in South Africa. Um, down the bottom of the map there. For the past 18 months, it's been in Madagascar, which is that island to the, um, to the 
east of, of Africa. It was originally uh, 18 months ago going to be in uh, uh, Guinea, which is in West Africa. Uh, but because of the Ebola crisis, they decided that, uh, that the ship was not an appropriate place to take the ship. It's not a medical facility, it's a surgical facility. And they couldn't risk taking the ship into a, an area of high infection like that. So the ship were, went off to Madagascar, where it hadn't been for about 20 years. And it stayed there for, it did two stints there for 18 months. Um, the ship, as I say, is now in South Africa being refitted. And the, because uh, it has to have a, just like your car, it has to be serviced every year. Uh, and in a few weeks' time, it will be moving up that west coast of Africa to um, Benin, which is a little country uh, just between Ghana and Nigeria uh, in West Africa. There will be an advanced crew there. There will be uh, a, a crew of people who will be preparing the dock, preparing the, the rooms, preparing the, uh, the facilities that the ship will need to make it work and to help it to work. And they will be advertising that the ship is coming. And they will be doing that on the radio, by word of mouth. Um, however, uh, they can advertise that the presence of the ship is there. And when the ship arrives, there will be crowds of people. They have what they call a screening day. And there are thousands of people turning up at those screening days. Let me just read you a, a press release. This was when, when the ship was in Pont Noir, which is in the Republic of Congo. And this was the screening day. More than 7,300 people queued from early morning at a local building in Pointe-Noire, which served as this year's screening day site. By the end of the day, 4,236 men, women and children were assessed as possible patients. And of that number, 1,326 received appointment cards to be seen by a surgeon or further evaluation during the, ship, during the ship's stay. Among the crowds, four-year-old Emmanuel arrived at 5 a.m. in his parents' arms, struggling to breathe. For the past two and a half years, his parents had been told that his problems were only malaria. Convinced that was more, more was wrong with their son, the parents managed to get their son to Kinshasa in the Depo Democratic Republic of Congo for a second opinion. Doctors discovered a tumor in Emmanuel's neck that was slowly suffocating him, but they were not able to provide treatment. On August the 9th, this was in 2013, Maurice, that was the dad, said he was at work in the port when he saw the mercy ship arrive. I knew God came with the ship, he said. Maurice and his wife counted down the number of days until the screening day. Emmanuel's surgery took place, and he was one of the first patients on board Africa Mercy in Central Africa. So there are stories, although the crowds come, it's individuals within the crowd who are obviously receiving treatment. This was in Madagascar. That uh, is the queue for the dental clinic. So next time you have a dental appointment and there's only two or three people in the waiting room, just be very, very grateful. This was the queue for the dental clinic in Sierra Leone when I was there. And that, there would be hundreds on a Monday morning and they would be initially screened and given a ticket to come back on a certain day in the week and we would work our way through the, uh, through the patients that turned up. Um, and these are the sorts of pictures you see on screening days. Thousands and thousands of people queuing to get to the ship. 
And when in, I'll show you a video later of the, in, after, um, after lunch or after coffee uh, of what it was like in Liberia. They, they took over a football stadium and people just waited on the, on the, um, on the um, stands uh, to be seen and to be screened. Thousands and thousands of people. So mercy ships attract crowds. And as I was thinking about what to say today, um, I heard, we heard a sermon last week, at, uh, a few weeks ago at church, about the crowds that Jesus attracted. And Jesus attracted crowds, didn't he? In the book of Matthew, there's, there's 14 at least references to crowds. So almost every, cha- every other chapter, there's something about Jesus attracting the crowds. And if you look at them, as you heard, I'm a bit of a wordy person. If you look at the verbs which are attached, attached to the crowds, then the, the crowds came. So the crowds moved to, to, to Jesus. They, they'd heard and they, they, they came to see him. They gathered, they collected around him. Then if he moved, they followed him and they were amazed at what he did. Jesus' reaction was, well, sometimes he needed a break, didn't he? So he withdrew, he went to a, on a small boat, he went across the lake, he went to a quiet place. But when he was with them... Uh, it, the, the, Matthew tells us that he taught them, he healed them, he spoke to them in parables and words and stories that the crowd would understand. And he had compassion on them. Matthew 9:36 says, He had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And Mercy Ships says, and I think it's true, that they will use, they use the Jesus model for what they do. They do attract crowds, but they teach them. There's a lot in the charity world these days about leaving a legacy, about uh, leaving behind something. We're not just sort of missionaries who go in, do this, and go out again. There's a lot about leaving a legacy. So Mercy Ships crews will be teaching the people about healthcare, about hygiene, um, in, the, in the operating theatres, they will be training up uh, surgeons and, and surgery, surgical nurses to leave behind a legacy, to build a capacity in that country. Jesus spoke to them in parables, in words they would understand. Mercy ships will employ local people to interpret, because obviously not many, some, well, some of these countries speak English as a basic language, but a lot of them don't, and there's lots of dialects that we, uh, that we don't, uh, don't, don't know. And so they will employ local people so that their message can get across to be interpreted and, and, and understood by the people. And Jesus healed them, indeed, and that, in, the, in our modern medical way, uh, surgical way, is what Mercy Ships is doing. So they, they use this, this model of Jesus to, 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 to perform the services that they, um, that, that they do. There, if you saw on the, the first picture of the, uh, of the ship, uh, it was probably a little bit small, but the, their, their, their motto is bringing hope and healing. So by showing compassion for these people, we bring them hope and healing. And lives will be transformed by those, by the, those services that they offer. 
Mercy Ships was founded by a guy called Don Stevens in the States. He was working uh, with YWAM in the, in, in the Caribbean with a group of young people and they, uh, a hurricane came through and they were sheltering in the basement of, this, of, of, a, of a building and one of the young people prayed that wouldn't it be good that at some point there was a hospital ship available which would come into emergency situations like this and, um, and provide relief. And that prayer stuck with Don Stevens for about 20 years. Uh, and after, uh, about 20 years later, he, he founded Mercy Ships. He said, right, this is what God's telling me to do now. I'm going to start a, um, a, a charity, uh, initially with YWAM, that, that's, that, that provides a hospital ship. And there's a, there's a book that you can actually download called Ships of Mercy, I think, and it's, it's available online, and it has amazing stories. I'm going to read you one of the stories, from again, from a screening day. Uh, and this is directly from his book. Ido's story is a perfect mirror of the drama of screening day for all concerned. She came literally tossed to us. What happened in Togo during that long screening day is a powerful story of mercy through the hands of surgeons, but also the mercy extended by her crowd of fellow sufferers. Her parents had all but given, up for, given her up for dead when they heard that the hospital ship was returning to their country. The tumour on the side of her daughter's face was the size of a grapefruit and was slowly, relentlessly closing her airway. Her parents travelled 500 kilometres to bring her to the dock of Togo's port city, Lome. By the time they arrived Ido, with Ido, the line was heartbreakingly long and Ido was gasping for breath. Her father, in desperation, lifted her above his head and someone beside him took her and passed her to the head of the line. I've always been amazed at the inner calm of most Africans, even in the, their dis direct, direst distress. Our experience with screening day waiting times is usually of an orderly queue with a hope in the air. That day the crowds were larger than we expected. In five years since we last visited Togo, word had spread so far and wide that the city's officials were caught unprepared for the crush. The long line snaked back into the city and had become a massive crowd. And as the crowd was pressing dangerously up against the docks fencing, we were forced to close the gates momentarily for crowd control. But then one of our security crew saw a child with a grotesque facial tumour being passed forward from the front towards the front above the crowd, person to person, hand to hand, and could hear her desperate gasps for breath. Everyone in that line was suffering beyond anything most people in the Western world can fathom. Yet these people instantly saw a child in even more desperate and immediate need of help. And as the crowd continued to push against the fence between the screening area and the line, one by one, those hands moved little Edo to the front and then over the fence into the waiting arms of John Serby, a Mercy Ships crew member. John took one look at Edo, heard her gasps, and rushed her to the surgeons who performed a tracheotomy. In the months ahead, Edo went ahead a underwent a series of operations to correct the damage done to her tumour. Then one day, right before we sailed, she went home with her parents to grow up like any other normal child in Africa. And I don't know if you can see that, but that, that's actually an illustration from the book. Uh, the picture on the bottom left is her after surgery. The picture on the right-hand side, number two, is her with the tumour on her face. Um, and these tumours get massive. They will suffocate people uh, unless they're treated. And there are not the facilities in the countries to treat, to treat tumours like that. 
So as part of the crowd, she came and she was healed through the work of Mercy Ships. And as I was thinking about crowds, I thought, well, what, we don't see, why don't we see crowds here? I mean, I don't know whether you will go home at lunchtime and think, oh, there was a good crowd in today. Um, is this a crowd? We don't see crowds. We don't, we don't see, I don't see, crowds of people rushing to hear what we have to say about Jesus in our lives these days. Maybe we used to with when Billy Graham was here, maybe in old revival times, but we don't see them now. And in our reading, um, I, th- I, I just think we maybe had a clue about what we should be doing about it. Because Jesus said to John's disciples, in effect, he said, when they said, are you the one? In effect, Jesus said, look around. Look what's going on. People are being healed. Go back and report to John what you have seen and heard. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, those who have leprosy are cured, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and good news is preached to the poor. Look around. Look and go and tell him what you've seen is happening. And I think, what, what could Jesus have said to John? He could have said, well, look, mate, we're, we're cousins. Don't you remember our mum and mum's talking about, uh, about what was all that womb fluttering that was going on? Um, you know, when they, tra- when they met together, when they were expecting us, they must have talked about it. Did he remind John about that? No, he didn't. Or did he remind John about the ba- his baptism? Did he say, oh, look, you baptised me. Didn't you hear that voice? He said, this is my son, whom I love, in whom I am well pleased. Didn't you hear that? He didn't say that either. And he didn't come out with one of his great I am sayings. Just I am would have been enough, wouldn't it? But no. He said, look around. Look at the evidence of what I'm doing to see uh, what, to, to, for the proof that I am who I say I am. And when I think about my life, and maybe when you think about your life, I think, where's the evidence in my life that I'm a Christian? What do I do? What do I say that will draw people to me to say, oh, I want what he's got? Or do I fall back on what Jesus didn't say? Do I fall back on saying, well, my mum and dad were Christians, so that's why I come to church? I was baptised here a few years ago, so that's why I come to church. I'm on the flower rotor, so that's why I go to church. Apologies to the person who did those beautiful flowers today. But we can think of all sorts of reasons why we, from our past, or what we do by doing the flowers, making the tea, whatever. But where's the evidence in my life, in my day-to-day life, that I am a Christian? Um, the little girl, Edo, 
in a in a village like that, um, it, where she came from, she would have been rejected. She would have been uh, cast aside. In some places, children with cleft if they're born with cleft lips, they will just, the midwives will take them and bury them alive because they have the touch of the devil. And yet, we know that's not true, don't we? That's not, not the touch of the devil. There's another story, the first story that I ever heard about mercy ships. Uh, when we went on that um, public publicity day. It was about a lady who had walked for miles to get to the ship, probably days. And she was sitting on the dockside, covered with a headscarf. And as she um, sat there, people moved away from her because basically she stank, she smelt. And she smelt because she had a tumor on her head that had been there for 10 years and was now ridden with, with maggots and flies and was really not terribly nice. And nobody spoke to her until a crew member went over to her and put her hand on her shoulder and said, can we help you? And the, uh, the lady burst into tears. And when they'd worked out what the problem was, she wasn't in pain. Uh, she, she didn't actually understand what the person had said. They had to go and find an interpreter to understand her, her, her dialect. When they understood what the problem was, she said nobody had touched her for 10 years because of her physical difficulties and the smell. She was taken on the ship, the tumour was removed, and she went back. And I wonder when her healing began. Did her be healing begin with the, with the hand on the shoulder? Or did her healing begin with the, the, the surgery? I think her healing began with the hand on the shoulder. And we all have hands. And we all have people that we can reach out to. And sometimes that's what people want. They just want to be talked to. They want to be touched. They want to be listened to. And in that little model, that little story, I think maybe we see what we could be doing to draw those crowds back in, to be showing that love and compassion that Jesus showed. I'm going to finish with a, a prayer. This is St. Teresa of Avila. Christ has no body now but yours, no hands, no feet on earth but yours. Yours are the eyes through which he looks compassion on this world. Yours are the feet with which he walks to do good. Yours are the hands through which he blesses all the world. Yours are the hands, yours are the feet, yours are the eyes. You are his body. Christ has no body on earth but yours. Shall we pray? Father, we pray in our lives that uh, we too can bring hope to people, bring healing to people, not, not in a physical way, if, 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 we, um, if we're not doctors or nurses or whatever. But we can bring healing to people by showing your love, by showing your compassion. We live in a world of uh, multi-culture, multi-faith, 
people living independently, working independently. Less and less people coming to our churches. And yet it's us who are your hands and your feet. And your eyes and your arms. And we pray that we can this week maybe just challenge ourselves to to find someone who needs your touch. Someone who needs to know that they're loved. Help us, Lord, to, to reach out to others. Just like that great big white ship goes into the harbour. Father, we pray that we can be that light, that salt and light to someone this week. In Jesus' name, amen. amen.